Amen. Okay. So today we're going to talk about core values, and we're going to start where we ended last week, own your growth. Uh, if you remember, I said, you know, we do all this stuff around 2911, but we still can't do it for you. You still have to choose to grow, okay? Let me take you some scripts. You're going to read um, about nine verses, I think, here. Ephesians chapter 6, verse, beginning of verse 10. A final word. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he says a final word. You know, when, when you're giving the final word, it's, it's an important word normally. Like, if your kids are headed out the door, if they're driving age, you know, and they're about to get in a car and drive, you want to tell them the important stuff, right? Or if they're not quite a driving age yet, they're getting in a car with another teenager, you want to tell them the important stuff, right? I mean, you're not just joking around. You want to tell them, be careful, all that kind of stuff. Paul is writing the church at Ephesus. He's getting to the end of the letter. He says, let me give you one final word. And, and it's a good bit here. We've got about three pages on our screen here. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Against all, the devil has strategies against you. Put on all, put on all. He says again and again. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. If you're fighting against people in this world, you're fighting the wrong battle. If you'll, if you'll look a little deeper, you will see that your, your battle, as a Christian, your battle is not with a person. Your battle is with something going on underneath that person. And a lot of times, they don't, they don't even realize. Most of the times, they don't even realize it. And it's not something that they have, they have enjoyed, but it's something that maybe it's because of their own battles that they've got. You're not fighting flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of this unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Next uh, slide. Continue on. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. If you're going through battles and you're not standing firm through them, there's probably something else you need to do. There's probably some things that he's already said you need to be doing in your life or there's some things he's about to say that you need to be doing in your life because what he's saying here, he's saying that you will be, still be standing firm. He's saying that it is possible for you to go through battles and still be standing firm. You're not supposed to get knocked down and destroyed by every battle that comes into your life, okay? Stand your ground. Put on the belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. And one last screen, one last slide. In addition to all of these, okay, so now he said, do everything you can to, to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Do this, 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 this. And in addition to these, he adds some more. Hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet. Take off the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Remember that. A little bit later, I'm going to refer back to that. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Take it. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Okay, nine verses there. Importance, I read, uh, it was important to me, I felt like, to, to read these to you. I've, I've preached on this before, and I've heard it preached many times. I've, I've seen articles written on this, and we always get into the, the uh, pieces of the armament, you know, the weapons of our warfare, the, 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 the Coat of, uh, coat of arms that, that God gives us as Christians, and we get into that a lot of times, but, but I, I think some, sometimes we miss just the, the overall. Here's the overall. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And as we said last week, we do all this stuff, and then it's up to you. In the same way, God 
provides all this stuff, but now it's up to you. He didn't say God's going to show up and make you strong in his mighty power. That is not what he said. He has prepared and he has provided all of this armament, all this stuff, but now you've got to put it on. You've got to take it up. You've got to hold it up. You've got, you've got to dress yourself in it. You've got to learn about it. You've got to, you've got to test it out. You have to own your growth. You've got to do it because nobody else can do it for you. And, and the, the reason, you know, one of, one of the big reasons for that is you're going to be in battles this week. I'm not going to be there. If you, you think I can do it all for you, maybe right here for a little while I can help you with some of it, but I'm not going to be in the middle of all your battles. You come and, and pray with this prayer team member today, and, and they help you pray. And, and, but you're going to have to still walk away from that and walk into that thing, and you're going to have to be able you have to own your growth. Now, let me put this in some categories here for you. It'll help you a little bit, I think. This is how we, our met, metrics at 2911 for uh, owning your growth is these three things, okay? It's connect, serve, and grow. Do, you need to do these things, and if you do these things, you will be growing as a Christian. You will be discipling. You'll be being discipled. You'll be accepting discipleship. You'll be growing, okay? So first, let's talk, let's talk about these real quick. Connect. You need to connect. Now, we started saying this a couple of, so years ago, four plus one. You need to connect with God. And that's one of the big things that you need to be doing on Sunday morning. I mean, you need to be connecting with him. When, when the, you don't need to just connect. Don't connect with Jamie. Don't connect with whoever's singing the solo. You, you need to be connecting with God during this time. But also you need to connect with four plus one. Okay, here, here's, here's what we're talking about with that. Is if you were missing last Sunday, you weren't here last Sunday, there should be at least four people in this room that you're close enough to that they noticed you weren't here. If, if you don't have at least four, and I think that's just a bare minute. I'm talking as a pastor from my experience. If you don't have at least four people say, man, I missed you last week, or the, if, if nobody noticed you were gone, then you haven't connected yet. And you need to be that well connected. So you need those four that are noticing that you're not here. Oh, if, you, if those people don't notice that, then you're not connected. And you need that one. That one person that you are even closer to than those four, that kind of that you can bear your soul to. And I know we guys, we don't like to do that because if we tell another guy about the problems we're having, you know, then we're kind of admitting we're not real men, right? That's, that, that's not the truth. Sometimes we need a, a compatriot. We need somebody that we can just share with and say, hey, here's where I'm struggling. You need one. And if you don't have one of those, you're not connected yet. If there's not somebody in, in this room or in the early service, somewhere in this church that you are not connected, that you, you cannot call, you need somebody you can call or text and say, I need prayer today. And you can just share a little bit or you can go have lunch with and they can give you advice and you will let them tell you, you know, some of the things, here's, you need to do this and change this. If you, if you don't have someone like that, you are not yet connected. And let me tell you why that's important. Because if you do not connect, you're leaving the church. You're leaving the church. Last year, uh, we did a survey, and we actually surveyed our own numbers, and, and if you've been here since last year, you, you've already heard this before, but you need to be a reminder, but we've got a lot of new folks that need to hear this. We surveyed, uh, just looked at our, all of our numbers, and the people that, that came to 2911 and, and came for a while, not talking about people that just came uh, you know, every, every two or three months or that came for a few weeks, and, but the people that came and, and kind of said, this is my church, I, this, is, this is where I want to be, and, and even people that Join the church. Now, out of those people, the ones that left, we, we had some leave because of school. They went to college out of town. And we had some leave because of jobs. We had some leave because of family. They had, they had to move out of town because of family. But 82% of those that left, 82% of them 
were not connected. And the way we, we were able to figure that, they were not in small groups or they were not connected to doing anything in ministry in, in the church. They were not connected. And so if you don't connect, this, that's going to happen to you also. And, and if this is not your home church, but you, you're just visiting us today and you've got a home church, if you don't connect there, you're leaving. And, and you know, the, 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 the real bad thing is not that you're leaving that particular church or you're leaving this particular church. But most of the people that don't connect and, don't, and, and end up leaving, they end up not just leaving church. They end up leaving just th- that part of their walk with God, and then they start losing all the rest as well. You need to connect. Secondly, you need to serve. All of us need to serve because everyone has something awesome to do for Jesus. There's, if you look in the New Testament, there is no place in the New Testament where there is this elite uh, ministry, you know, that, that we hire all the ministers to do all the work and everybody else shows up on Sunday and watches them do the work. But you know what? That's, that's pretty much been my generation of church. I mean, that's what, I, I saw a lot of that growing up. You know, that, and that's not what, and listen, let me tell you something. If you hang around 2911, you are going to be pushed and pushed and pushed to serve. Why? Because we need your help? No, because you need to be working. You know why you need to be serving in something? Think about what happens to someone who does not serve in what they're called to do. They don't get that opportunity, or they don't take that opportunity. What happens to them? What happens to them? They get bored, right? They, they feel unfulfilled, right? Mm-hmm. And then they begin to get a little bitter. They begin to point fingers because somebody else is, is doing what they're called to do, and man, they're just flourishing, and God is doing amazing things because they're getting to do what they're passionate about and gifted to do. And if you don't do what you're gifted to do, you're going to be one of those bitter Finger-pointing people that, you know, that, that the only thing, I mean, they're, they're, churches are full of them. People that come and they just sit and watch what's going on, and the only thing they do that adds anything to t- church is they point fingers at other people, and it doesn't add good things to the church. That's what happens to people who do not serve in places they are gifted and called to serve, that they're passionate about. If you don't get to fulfill your passion, you're going to become bitter, and that's why you need to be serving. And then lastly, connect, serve, and grow. And grow, we break it down into four things. Read, Bible, uh, I'm sorry, read, pray, give, and reach. So let's talk about them for just a minute. Read the Bible. Stop using verses of Scripture like fortune cookies. Amen? You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about not reading your Bible. You know, if, if this is you, then stop it. You got to grow up here, okay? If you're going to be strong, you remember we read the scripture a few moments ago, and when I got to that part about the sword, and it said the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God, you got to take the sword of the Spirit, and I said, remember that, okay? You can't take the sword of the Spirit if you don't have the sword of the Spirit. You know, you've got to, you got to take it, you got to get it, okay? And if you don't, it, it is in all of that armament that that uh, Paul talks about there in the scriptures that we just read. That is the only weapon of offense that is there. Everything else is defensive. And you know what? Some of you, you are dealing with with attacks and you are dealing with stuff that you don't need to just hold your ground. You you need to be on the offensive. Some of you need to be be fighting. Some of you need to be aggressive and attacking. And the only weapon that Paul mentions is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So you need the Word of God. And so what happens to a lot of people who, they don't read the Bible all week, they just get a little bit of Bible on Sunday morning. Whatever the pastor reads to them, maybe the minister of music throws in a scripture between a couple of songs or whatever, and I get, and you know what, they say, wow, that's good. I can use that this week. That's not the way the Bible works. 
You don't just get to show up and open up a fortune cookie and say, wow, this one's good, and get to take it with you all week and, and remind God and say, God, you remember what you said in the Bible? That's not the way it works. You know, it, the Bible is not just a bunch of fortune cookies that you just get to open. You've got to fill yourself with it. And, and listen, well, you need, to, you need to be reading the Bible every single day. Two chapters, five chapters, no. Read something right now. If you don't aren't reading the Bible every day, I just dare you to read one verse of Scripture every day, okay? And eventually you're going to say, man, this ain't enough. And then you'll start reading too. And you're going to find out that it, it doesn't take long to read, even a whole chapter, okay? But you just need to start doing this because you will never be able to take the sword of the Spirit until you quit using Scriptures like fortune cookies. Now, pray. Stop using prayer like fortune cookies, because a lot of us do the same thing there too, don't we? Don't we pray like fortune cookies? It's like, okay, no, you know, we don't pray any time throughout the week, but don't pray any time for a month, maybe, maybe a little bit on Sunday, you know, maybe we say grace over the, over the meal, and maybe occasionally we remember something, oh, I need to say a prayer about that. And, but then we get these, these, these serious needs happen in our life. Something happens that, oh man, we gotta have God show up, and now we start calling everybody just like fortune cookies. Just say, okay, now i got to have a prayer, and I'm going to have a prayer, and i got a prayer, and I'm hanging on this prayer, just like fortune cookies. But Paul said, you remember we read it just a few moments ago? He said, pray at all times on every occasion. And another place that we didn't read this one today, but Paul says, pray without ceasing. So your prayer life, if you're going to grow, if you're going to be strong enough so that when the battles come, when the battle's over, you're still standing, if you're going to be that person, you got to stop using prayer like fortune cookies and you got to get in to prayer. Thirdly, it's about giving. Do you guess what I'm going to say about giving? Stop using giving like fortune cookies. Okay, how does that work? People that don't give any time at all until all of a sudden now I've got a financial need. What I've got to plant a seed. Let me find somewhere that I can give some money so that God will bless it and give it back to me. Like a fortune cookie. That's not the way it works. You know, God even told us, when you, you, take, you take seed and you just kind of scatter it out. You take seed and you just kind of scatter it out, what happens? Jesus, Jesus used this as a parable about the Word of God. But if you just kind of say, i, I got to find somewhere, i gotta, I got to find a place, and you just do that, most of that seed does not ever bear fruit. The seed is good, but most of it never bears fruit because it's stolen away, it's, it, it is choked down by the thorns, or it withers away. Because it was not planted purposely and put where it's supposed to be. Because, because there, was, there is no lifestyle of giving. There is no heart of giving. There is no want of giving. It's like, oh no, I've got a need, so let me find a way to plant a seed so that God will have to bless. That ain't the way it works. And, and, if, you, and if you're using that, if you're doing it that way, you're using giving like a fortune cookie. Let me tell you what happens. I don't, I don't know if, uh, for those of you who are friends with, with Cliff Bishop on, on Facebook, uh, Cliff, Cliff has his own disaster relief ministry, and, and in just about three weeks, he's going to be going, going down to Baton Rouge and, and, and start working on putting up some drywall down there and, and helping, and has, has, has people that, that come actually from other states as well that are part of, part of his ministry and help him do that. But he's, he posted something on Facebook, and so if you're interested, you need to talk to him, and he's definitely going to need some help with some finances, okay? And we'll talk about that later, too, as well. Not today, but as we get closer to that. But 
I don't know if you saw, if you're you're a friend of his on Facebook, you might have seen a post. And I'd forgotten all about this, and he posted this. He posted about how how, um, after some tornadoes just a few years ago, he was up in in, in Tennessee. Tornadoes had gone through the area where he grew up. Uh, Kind of a remote area, you know, know, not just out in the middle of nowhere completely, but remote area meant it didn't have like a Lowe's and a Home Depot and everything right on the next corner or whatever. And and he and I were talking, and he, he needed a chainsaw. And I'd forgotten all about this. He posted it on Facebook. And, and we were able, boy, isn't, isn't online ordering awesome, you know, able to order it, you know, and, and drop ship it right there so we didn't have to pay for shipping. It just got there so quick. And he was able, it was actually in his hands. Let me tell you how that happened. It didn't happen because of online ordering. You know how it happened? But we didn't have to wait until the next Sunday to get up and say, hey, Cliff needs a chainsaw up there if he's going to be able to help these people anymore. You know why? Because there was extra. There was extra sitting in the checking account that week that we could take a few hundred dollars and we could buy a good chainsaw and put in his hand. Why? Because there's some investors here in this room today. Not people who use giving as, as, a, as a fortune cookie who are just scattering their seed, but they're saying, this 2911 is what I believe in. And they're, they're tithing, they're giving, and they're giving regularly. And because of that, ministry is happening. And because that ministry is happening that they don't even know about. You know what? Some of you are going to get to heaven, and some of you are going to forget this anyway. Some of you are going to get to heaven, and you didn't even know, and God's going to say, because you were giving, you were one of those that blessed and allowed, allowed that chainsaw to be given so that so that Cliff's ministry and those guys working there could continue what they were doing. And you know what? Two, three weeks ago, a similar thing happened. Brent and I were in Honduras. Uh, we, we were looking at this as a ministry that Brent and, and several of you are connected to. It's uh, the young lady, I, I still call her young because she's younger than me, right? Everybody younger than me is young. You know, if I'm young, everybody else younger than me has got to be young, right? So the young lady hadn't seen her in years, and so we went down, we connected with her, just to see everything was going on. While we were there, prayer team knows about this because we sent them a prayer text. Boy, technology is great, isn't it? They're able to do that from Honduras. Send them a text for prayer for them to pray. Their, their maintenance guy, the guy over there maintenance at uh, Hope House, uh, Hogar Esperanza, their, their, their maintenance guy had had an accident on a motorcycle, he and his wife and his, and his little girl. And uh, the, the wife and little girl, they, they're in good shape, but he still got a lot of medical problems. So he's not working. Now, when we got to his house that day, we actually went and visited him because Angie and her dad, they wanted to check on him. They go by and see him. And they wanted to take him some food and take him some supplies and stuff because he's not working. Now, when we got there, let me tell you, the place he was living was, I don't know any way to, to describe it, just say he was already living in pretty abject poverty, okay? And now he's not working. He has no income coming in. So they wanted to take him some food. They wanted to take him some supplies. So on, before we got to his house, we, uh, we went to a, a supermarket or, or grocery store or whatever. And I don't know what Honduran groceries, groceries are. You know, I don't know what they eat there. And so I didn't have any part of picking out. I just let them pick out. I went, I went over and was picking me out some, uh, some uh, coconut-flavored lollipops that they have there and kind of dum-dums, but they're coconut flavor. Oh, they're really awesome. If you ask me, I might, if you ask me really, really nice, I might bring you one next week, but I don't have enough for everybody, so I couldn't bring them today. But, or Zuko, picking out my Zuko flavors in Zuko, it's, it's like, it's like Kool-Aid on steroids or something. And it's, it's just really good. They told me about it. I had to bring some home. And so I was picking my, but I kept looking up to the front. I kept paying attention to where they were picking out all this stuff for Edwin. That's the maintenance supervisor, his, his, his name, Edwin. And I kept watching. And when, when, when they were getting close, I ran up there and I paid for it. I paid for it with a debit card from Church 2911 because I didn't want them to just have to do this because I, I wanted us to do this. 
And so we, we took, and, and he told him that, 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 he told them that they didn't buy it, that he told Edwin, uh, Angie's dad, that they didn't buy it, that we bought it for them. So it came from 2911. I, and it's, it's not important that, that, that he knew that. That wasn't the important part. The important part to me was we could do that. I didn't have to hesitate a moment. As soon as I felt impressed that we needed to buy this, we needed to do this and, and pour into them so they could take that 50 or 60 bucks and, and put it somewhere else in ministry that we could, I, I didn't have to hesitate a minute and say, God, are you really sure? Because my church, 2911, we're struggling back at home financially. I didn't have to say that. You know why? Because we've got investors here. We've got people who say, this is my vision. This is my heart. I want to be a part of this. And some of you are going to get to heaven one day and you're going you're gonna to meet Edwin if you never get to go to Honduras and meet him. And he, when he realizes that you're one of them, he's going to say, thank you because you were part of it. And that happens all the time. Why? Because we've got investors. You need, to, you need to be a giver. And, and thirdly is reach. Reach. Um, ne- next, I thought about this as Brent was talking about next Sunday and being the different service. It's Labor Day weekend. We're going to do, just, uh, we're gonna do uh, a little short sermon, okay, so the kids will be in here with us, have some family worship, going to have barbecue afterwards, doing some different things. Great excuse. Right here in the air conditioning as well. Great excuse for you to invite somebody to come be with you that won't come to church any other time, say, hey, come on, we're eating today, and pastor said he wasn't going to preach very long. And you can tell them you've been to the baptisms when I, when I really do know how to do a 10-minute sermon, okay? You can tell them that I know how to do that, okay? What an awesome time next week because you need to expand your reach to grow in that. And here's the next thing that we say around 2911. It's not about me. This, this, and and, and uh, I, I got to give you this this morning, here, but here it is. It's because of the model that we have through Jesus Christ. Why is it not about me? Now, it was. When Jesus Christ came and, and he took your sin and he went to the cross and died, it was all about you. But as soon as you accepted that, it's not about us anymore. It's about the next person that needs to hear about Jesus Christ. It's about the next person that needs to know his, his forgiveness. It's about the next person. And, and here's his example right here in Philippians chapter 3, beginning verse, uh, chapter 2, beginning verse 3. Don't be selfish. Paul is talking to Christians. And he has to say, don't be selfish. Oh, come on, somebody. Say, oh, me. I mean, man, we ought to be moaning and groaning over some of this right here. Don't be selfish. He's got to tell Christians that. We get so wrapped up in all of our stuff. Oh, I'm getting some head nods. Still not getting any amens yet, but I'm getting some head nods and some smiles. We get wrapped up in so much of our stuff. We need to hear, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in somebody else too. You know what? I didn't say this first service, but it hit me just right here. Is, you know, I, I, some of you need to do a Facebook audit, okay? You know what that is? You need to go not to that feed where you're reading everybody else's stuff. You need to go read your stuff. And you just do an audit there and see how many things are positive and how many things are about Jesus and God and the good stuff. Like, and how many things are about me. And how many things are about all of my stuff and all of this? Some of y'all need to do a Facebook audit, okay? And if you did, you would really see, this would help you understand if your life is about you or it's about somebody else. Whew, it's quiet in here today. I told the first service we needed some crickets and sound effects back there, you know, just so, so everybody realized. We, we, need to, we need to realize, take an interest in somebody else. And listen, he's talking to Christians. 
So don't feel like you're, you know, we're the only ones, our society, our culture, it's happened. We, and so we have to constantly refocus ourselves and think about others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Okay, here it is then. Here it is. You know, it'd be really easy for me to go to Honduras and see all these people with all these problems and say, wow, you know, you guys have a lot of problems. Hope it gets better and go home and come back home, you know. And, and you know what? I did come home. I wanted to come home. I was anxious to get home. I wanted to get back to this. You know it's a little bit of a joke, but it's true. I did want to get back to the air conditioning, okay? I did want to get back to this. I wanted to get back to this, but I felt ashamed. I felt guilty of coming back to what I'm coming back to and leaving those people in that. But you know what? Jesus didn't do that. And you know what? I, I, I can't. I can't ignore that. I can't ignore what, what I saw there. And thank God that's what Jesus did. When, when, when he stood, maybe stood on the edge of a cloud and he looked over at the earth, thank God he didn't say, man, you guys are royally messed up. Looking into the future and seeing your life and my life, he didn't just say, guys, you have really fouled up your lives. And listen, they didn't do it to us. We've done it to ourselves. Hey, man, we need to just be honest with ourselves. We've made the mistakes. We've made the decisions. We've chosen some things that have brought bad stuff into our lives. We've done that. And thank God Jesus didn't say, well, you guys have messed up. Y'all just figured it out. But you know what he did? Though he was God. He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his own divine privilege. He took the humble position of a slave and was born a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. He didn't look down and say, you guys figure it out. But he took our sin to the cross and he died for us. And because he did that for us, he's our example. He's our model. Then we don't be selfish. Pay attention. Take some interest in somebody else else. God gave you two ears and one mouth. You should use them proportionally, you know, that kind of a thing. Think about what somebody else is going through. Don't be so quick to tell everybody what you're going through and, and see if there's some way that God wants to use you to help someone else. Here's another thing we say around 29:11. We are not defined by a building. Now, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. The body is the church. You are the body. We are the body. We started using that we're not defined by a building. When we first started in, uh, in our little 2,400 square foot um, sanctuary over on Mount Olive Road, and uh, we'd have a lot of people show up, and they'd, they'd, they'd come to service the very first time and say, wow, you know, I had no idea. I've passed this building a bunch of times, had no idea there was this kind of church inside this building. You know, so we, we said that a lot about we're not defined by that building. Now God has brought us to this building. And there, you ask my opinion, there is not a better rental facility in all of North Jefferson County. There is not a better place that we could be than right here. I mean, the, the, where God has brought us. But still, we are not defined by this awesome building that God has brought us to. We have to fight that. We have to remember that. We kind of make sure that that's not who we become is this and this and this. We are not defined by a building. And, and, and let, me, let me say this, is that we are constantly keeping our eyes open and listening. We've got a couple of at least three real estate agents in our church, and they sometimes tell me something. We're looking for something. We keep our eyes open. And we've pretty much always got a plan B and a plan C if this falls apart, and, you know, if we have to leave here in a hurry sometime real soon. We've all probably pretty much always got a plan B or a plan C, you know, in the back of our heads, you know, something that we can make work if we had to make work. 
But let me tell you, I'm not breaking my back to find another place. Because God has, God has put us in this place where we are seeing people come to us that probably wouldn't come to another building. And great things are happening in people's lives. And as long as God has us here, this is where we need to be. But let me tell you a couple more reasons why we're not breaking our back. Here, here's to, to find another place. And here's one of them. This is, this is a, our budget pie chart from last year, 2015. Okay? And this is... and. Uh, that's for about 45%. It looks like it's 50, an optical illusion to you, but that's about normal. 40 to 50% is uh, about normal for what, what churches and even churches larger than us spend on the ministry staff, okay? But here's the thing I really want to draw your attention to is that green thing there, facility and storage, rental, the, the rental for this place, the rental when we use it on Wednesday nights for Royal Rangers, girls clubs, teens, uh, the rental across the hall there and whenever we do our stuff, and then the facility rental where we... We uh, have two trailers that we store every week and all of that. We've got uh, four storage building uh, units that we put, have stuff in that, that we use from time to time and all of that. And, and that looks like a big chunk of the pie, but, but and, and some, people, some people say, what, you probably pay a lot of money to rent that, rent that uh, room in the, at the uh, Gardendale Civic Center. It's like, yeah, yeah, in a way we do, but you gotta realize it's all we pay. I mean, we don't pay for this wonderful air conditioning. We don't pay extra if they crank it up or, you know, or later when it gets cold and they turn up the heat. We don't pay extra. Now wrap it up by saying this. I mean, this is kind of my favorite way of saying it. We don't even pay for toilet paper. Okay, there is nothing extra. So, I mean, that's all of it. So that, that, little, that little part of that, here's the, here's the reality, is to buy a new building. Let me tell you what happens. When you buy a new building, let me tell you what happens to that picture right there. Is that green, that green little piece of the pie doubles in size when you buy a another building. That's what mo most churches, most churches spend about 70, 60 to 75 percent on ministry staff and on building. That's what, that's what most churches do. And so you know what, what that tells me is, it, you know, as long as we're here, I am embracing this because the, the moment we've got to go, that means one of those has got to go. That means, that means events, emissions, and benevolence has to go away or, or, or advertising, training, discipleship, small groups, and ministry budgets has to go away so that we can afford a building. You know, here's, here, or, or all of those have to be cut in half so that we can afford a building. You know, and that's why, and, you know, I mean, general operations, uh, you, you gotta have those. I mean, those are the general things of office printing and different things you just gotta have. And, to, and, to, and to, say, to say that, that means all those things have to be cut. So what God has done is he has put us in a place where we get to put more and more money into our outreach stuff into missions. I was telling a missions director this week, not a missionary, but a person who lives here that works with a lot of missions. And, and, and I was telling him what our church does in missions. He says, wow, he was amazed at what our church, pretty good piece of the pie right there that we're doing. And we'd have to cut some of that. So I, I, I embrace this because this is where God has put us right now. And God has done this so that we can, we can, we can do more things than we would normally have to be doing if we did. But here's another thing. It's it's the conventional wisdom. I, I want to challenge the conventional wisdom of most church members today. And, and I'm not going to do it. I'm going to let, uh, I'm going to let Tony Evans do it and his, his daughter. Y'all know Tony Evans? You know him, a minister, and pretty much all of his family's ministers. And, and he, he and his daughter wrote a book about three years ago. It was published called uh, Kingdom Woman. And uh, here's some quotes. Now, get ready. This is one of those, mm, mm, or, you know, kind of painful, all right? This is one of those pain. it really is. The body of Christ, in general, focuses more on the concept of the church than on the concept of the kingdom. Mm. Can anybody say, mm? 
little painful there, isn't it? What, it gets worse. The church has settled for buildings and programs instead of teaching men and women how to access the authority of the kingdom. Whoo. Everybody knows where the church building is today, right? Y'all knew how to get here, right? But that's not the question, is it? I mean, that, we make that our focus. Everybody needs to know, hey, here we are, come to 2911. But what, need, what they need to know is they don't just need to know how to gain access to this building. They need to know how to gain access to the kingdom of God. Amen? And, and a lot of times what we do is we, listen, I've got pastor friends today that the only thing, sadly, the only thing they can have on their mind right now is I hope the offering was enough to pay the church payment today. I'm serious, because they've gotten themselves in one of those places. They've gotten themselves. Let's go on, the, the, the next um, uh, quote from the book. We plant churches more than promote the kingdom. Now, plant, he's not saying planting churches is wrong, okay? Tony Evans hasn't gone off the deep end to say we shouldn't plant churches, but he's saying we're focusing on that instead of the next quote there. We usually hear more about the church than the kingdom. That's what he's saying, is we're doing all this about church instead of the kingdom, and about our church, about what we want, you know, instead of the kingdom. And the last quote from the book that I want to give to you says, we've had church, but we haven't experienced the kingdom. We need to experience the kingdom. We need to be a church that helps people experience the kingdom. And you don't need to just experience the kingdom for, on Sunday morning for an hour or 15 minutes. We want to help you experience the kingdom 24-7, every moment that you are alive, every, every moment that, that you are dealing with the issues, even, even when you're in the middle of battle, we want to help you experience the kingdom in a way that makes you able that when the battle is over, that you are still standing. That's our call. That's our call because God did not call us to a building. Never. He didn't call churches to buildings. He calls us to himself, and then he sends us to our community. Now, is that, that's, is that uh, next slide or did I skip something? Oh, I'd skip something. Um, we define the building. Thank you, Brad, for not getting ahead of me. So I'd stay. We define the building, okay? Because where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I with them. We define the building. Let, let me tell you what this means. This is a multi-purpose room, right? Last Saturday night, there was an oldies concert in here. People sitting there just rocking to the oldies. Oldies band up here kicking it. I wasn't here, but I love oldies. I could have probably enjoyed it a little bit. Y'all might have been embarrassed with the head, your head-banging pastor up here. So, I, you know, I would enjoy it. A few weeks before that, there was an Alice in Wonderland play in this room, right? Do you remember that? Sunday morning, we had all the, a lot of the stuff was still hanging around because they had one more that afternoon. And so we let them leave a lot of stuff up, trying to be good neighbors and all that kind of stuff. You know, That's who we got to be. We got to be concerned about other people's interests, not just our own, remember? So we were doing, in a few weeks, you know, there's going to be a wedding in this room. Do y'all know that? Y'all ever heard? Y'all heard, is there going to be a wedding in this room in a few weeks? Yeah? Yeah? <laughs> Don't encourage Kyle. Here's my point. So what is this? If the building defines us, we're in trouble. So we don't know who we are. But we define the building. According to that scripture right there, what happens is when we walk in the door back there, 
And when two of us walk in the door back here and say, and say in our hearts, if we don't even say it, we don't even think it, but we know that we are here to gather together in the name of Jesus, all of a sudden, this room becomes a place where people can connect with the power of God, a place where people can be prayed over, a place where people can be encouraged, a place where people can be lifted up, a place, a place where people can be challenged to, 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 to get everything they can so that th- throughout the rest of the week they can stand against all the fiery darts that the enemy throws at them, and when all the battles are over, that they will still be standing. That's what happens when we come in this room because we define this building. Amen? Amen. We define the building, and therefore... God doesn't call us to a building. Let's go to that quote now. I jumped ahead of myself. God hasn't called us to a building. He calls us to himself. And then he sends us out in the community. Is that true? Is that true? Then I want you to think about it for a minute. I'm not talking about a building anymore. I'm talking about us. God calls us to himself and sends us to them. Kind of going back to reach again here now. That's our purpose now. God has called us to himself, and he sends us to our communities. Can I take it a little deeper and a little bit more? Thank you. I was going anyway, but thank you. (laughs) God doesn't call us to be cozy and comfortable, but he has called us to be dangerous. You know what has happened, though? You think about it. Look at what has happened. I know a whole lot more cozy and comfortable churches than I know dangerous churches. I've pastored more cozy churches than I have pastored dangerous churches. I have been the problem as pastor. I have made churches comfortable and cozy and then paid for it because they didn't have anybody that wanted to do anything and have to go back and apologize to God. God, I messed this thing up. I'm the one. I've had to do that. I know a whole lot more cozy and comfortable churches than I know dangerous churches. Can we drill down a little bit deeper? Can you all handle it? If you can't, stick your fingers in your ears because here it comes. I know a whole lot more cozy and comfortable Christians than I know dangerous Christians. And that is not what God called us to be. And you know what we have done? We have become cozy and comfortable with our culture. Are you looking at this? Are you reading the news? Are you watching the news? We're in trouble. I mean, my goodness, I wish I could tell you some, one, thing, one thing that my wife told me last night. I wish I could tell you one of the things that happened in our community. That I, it's, just not, it's just not Sunday morning conversation. And so we're, and I'm talking about here in North Jefferson County in a slap middle of the Bible Belt. We are in trouble. But you know what we've done? You think about what we've done. We have made ourselves comfortable with it. We've got, we've got drug use right down the street, but what have we done? We've figured out how to live with it. Come on, right? we figured out how to deal with it. we figured out how to just ignore it or whatever and make ourselves comfortable and safe enough that we can go on with life. But God didn't call us to be comfortable if there's drug use down the street. God didn't call us to be comfortable if, if, if there is human trafficking going on in, in Birmingham. God didn't call us to be comfortable if there are little babies that need somewhere to sleep in Honduras and, and they don't have a place that they can put the little babies. God didn't call us to get comfortable with that. God called us to be dangerous. God called us to be driving up and down our streets and pleading the blood of Jesus and speaking the authority of the name of Jesus over our streets and binding the spirit that are 
that are wrapping people up in their addictions to, to drugs and anything else that's going on in their life. God called us to be dangerous in these, and it's time that we got back to being dangerous again. Amen. But if I ask you each one to stand up one by one, and I gave you that same speech, would you still be clapping? Will you still be clapping tomorrow when that comes back to your mind? Will you just be saying, wait a minute, I, I gotta be dangerous today. God called us to be dangerous. Let me throw this at you real quick and we're gonna close. 2016 is the year of next. If you weren't here in January, this was the January sermon series, next. And it's still on podcast. If you weren't here, you need to go read it or you need to go listen to it. And here, here, here's this thing about next chapter. Is I almost titled this, this slide, 2016 was the year of next, because some of you are already thinking like, I've blown 2016. No, you haven't. Okay, maybe you've done nothing for eight months, but you've got four more. And as you stand here right now and you look back over those eight months, and you look back over them, are you reading it? It's like, wow, I can't believe that happened. I forgot about that. But, you know, that's what, I, that's what I said. And that's what God was telling us in January. Don't let that happen at the end of the year. Don't get to December and look back and, and be like you're reading somebody else's life that you can't even remember that you're the one that read it, that you're the one that lived it. But write, write your next chapter. Write 2016. And so maybe, yeah, maybe you've blown it the first eight months. You got four more to go. So write these next four months. Be purposeful about what you're, when you get to December, I hope you remember this moment right here in this message. I hope you remember it. I, I said that back in January, is that I hope in December you remember that. I hope in December you remember this point in this message. And for those of you that's not been right, you've just been letting your life just kind of slip by and letting everybody else write the chapters. I hope you have made your mind up right now today to start writing, being purposeful about writing the chapters, this next chapter, and for the next four months. And I pray it comes back to your mind. I pray the Holy Spirit comes, brings it back to your mind. And you remember the day you decided you were going to start writing the chapters instead of letting everybody else write them in your life taking the next steps, taking advantage of the next opportunity, seeing that next person that God wants to put into your life. And God put them into your life back in January or March or sometime, and some of you have been ignoring that person or you've been ignoring that opportunity. And God's saying, no, don't ignore that. Get back to what I was, I've called you. I put that person or I put that opportunity before you and get back to it. And the next adventure, because it's an adventure. Oh man, it's an adventure. I, I, I I won't, I won't preach another 10 minutes here. Some of you are on the adventure. And some of you, man, you feel like, you feel like the roller coaster is out of control. But some of you have seen the man running the roller coaster, the God in heaven running the roller coaster, and you, know, and you see a smile on his face, and he has peace, and it's giving you peace, and you know, yeah, this is an adventure. And when this battle is over, I'm going to still be standing. Can I ask you to join me at the front, if you will, please? If you're a first-time attender, I'll just tell you that we'd like to close around front with a final song and a final prayer. And I won't, I won't be long because, like I said in the first service, nursery workers are going to quit on me if I, don't, if I don't stop soon. But if you're, if you're comfortable joining us, please come join us at the front. Just a final, final point, final prayer, and final song. This message was a lot more to the church probably than most of my messages are. We have so many new people and people checking us out. 
We focus a lot of times on the life-related stuff, but last week and this week, we really needed to be challenged again. Can I challenge you to do one thing right now? Would everybody take a step toward me? Let's get just a little closer to each other. See, when you step close, there you go, thank you. And prayer team is standing right here waiting, anxious. Please, they wanna pray with you over the battles that you're gonna face this week, help you be armed and ready to go to them. But let me challenge you in this. One of the other things we say around 2911 is we dare you to dream. We dare you to dream. So let me give you three dares real quick. First of all, I dare you to be a giver. I dare you to start giving and not just say, oh, I gotta plant a seed so that I'll have a blessing, but to be a giver and say, and listen, if this isn't, this isn't your heart and your vision, what I preached last two weeks and what you see going on, go find it, okay? You, uh, scary thing for a pastor to say, but listen, everybody, and it's another thing we say, and I, this wasn't in my notes to say, but everybody ought to attend a church they brag about. Okay, if this ain't it for you, go find it. You don't need somebody having to drag you out of bed and make you go to church. You need to, go, you need to be somewhere that says this is where I connect, and you need to be a giver, and you need to say, I want to be a part of this vision, and not just show up on Sunday and watch it happen. I want to be a giver of my time, of my finances, and everything. You need to have impact. You need to have impact. It's going to be a sad thing for a lot of us when we die. I was reading an article just the other day. It said, die with purpose. Didn't say die on purpose, but die with purpose. That when you die, be purposeful about how you leave this earth. That when you leave this earth, you'll be able to say, I know this, and I know this, and I know this, and I, I did this, and I was there. Have impact. Don't just disappear and everybody, what happened? Whatever happened to what's his name? Man, what a horrible thing it would be for a child of God to be called what's his name? What's her name? Whatever happened to, to never, not even really be missed, to find, whatever happened to, what a horrible thing, because God has called you to be last dare, I dare you to be dangerous. You know, it, it, I was thinking about some of the, some of the parents in, um, in our first service, some of you have talked to me about, and in this second service too, some of you have talked to me about the stuff that your kids are going through. Your teenagers, your 20-something year old kids, and all the stuff they're going through, and the stuff even, man, even below 10, even our young, younger kids that they're going through. Let me tell you something. Your kids, more than ever, need you to be dangerous. They are under attack, spiritual attack. It is, it is an evil, demonic warfare against them, and you being a little cozy and comfortable on Sunday morning is not gonna do it anymore. You've gotta get dangerous. Mom, get back in the game. Dad, get back in the fight. You, I dare you, you need to be dangerous again. Whatever area of your life you've gotten cozy and comfortable in, do like I had to do in those other churches. Repent, God, I'm sorry. I didn't just get cozy and comfortable. I actually led a church to be cozy. I repent, say I'm ready to be dangerous again. I dare you.